When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special episode of Take the Black Live. Why is it special? Because Julie Davies is actually able to see it without getting up before her usual hour of awakening to watch us at a godly hour. Hello, Julie in Miami. Hello, everyone for watching. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Martha. Glad to see you all here. We're Take the Black. We talk about, you know, movies, TV, uh, fantasy, sci-fi, space lasers, swords and horses, this kind of thing all day, every day, or to be specific, Wednesdays at <laughs> 2 p.m. Central. Daniel Roman, uh, my co-host, how are you doing? I'm doing spectacularly. It's been a big week at the movies, a good week for TV shows and fantasy stuff. So I don't know. I can't complain. How are you, Dan? I'm swell. Uh, my eye is the swollen. Uh, we have us to talk about. We have people watching. Hello, PhD McCoy. Hello, Morrison. And we're excited too, Andrew. Thanks for watching. Uh, Daniel, what are we talking about today on this beautiful Wednesday? Well, as we often do, we're going to start off with Winds of Winter and House of the Dragon updates because anytime that there is anything to be said about either of those two things, we are contractually obligated to say them. So we, we've had some exciting ones this week because George R. R. Martin's been talking. Um, so he he blogged and uh, <laughs> yeah, what did he, yeah, what, what did he talk about, Dan? There was a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, anything that caught your eye in there? Yeah, I mean, George R. R. Martin, a song of fire author, weighed in on House of the Dragon, the fact that it's still going during these strikes. As we know, Hollywood is currently more or less-ish shut yes. down because all the actors are on strike. Julianne Moore is not appearing in anything for their stable future. All the writers are on strike. Although now there are some soap operas that are like bringing in scab writers. Uh, I heard about that. So also just say in Hollywood, if you want someone to scab, I don't know, I consider for the right amount of money. And George R. R. Martin said that he is shocked that House of the Dragon is still filming because he, like me, and I think like a lot of folk, it came as a surprise to him to learn that if you're filming something in England and that if you're part of the yeah. English Actors Union Equity, you can't really go on strike because they're allowed to fire or sue you, which seems to defeat the purpose of unions. Although, I mean, yep. of course, th th there are. It's kind of weird because is it abnormal that the U.S. has such strong union protections that we protect people from reprisal from their employers if they go on strike? Is that normal or are we the outliers? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like labor 
strikes are a form of rebellion, right? They're like, I'm disrupting things on purpose. It's kind of weird that like strikes are organized at all. I, I, yes. I, I guess like the power comes from the chaos. But I think it's good that we protect employees from reprisal. But England's like, nah, no strikes. I'm going to guess Thatcher did this. But I don't know. Any English people in, in, in the chat can tell us. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, it made me feel a little bit better to hear George R. R. Martin talk about how confused he was to find all this out. Who wouldn't be confused? Yeah, if, if he was confused, we were all allowed to be confused. And it's a fair question about you know, the different strike laws in different countries. And I don't know the answer to that. You know, are do other European countries support striking? Uh, beats me. I would assume there are probably curious to know. more countries in the world that do not support strikes or have protections in the same way that we do in the US. So that's fair. But it was shocking to hear that England had such a draconian system uh, for strikes, especially because one of their one of their political parties is the Labour Party. So they're called the Labour Party. <laughs> yes. In their name. Yes. Apparently that means we will ensure you give us labor no matter <laughs> what, at what cost. But a charming island. It is a charming island. Yes. It, obviously. So the big thing we need to mention, which uh, prepare everyone for the collective eye roll that comes with any time this man says anything about this. But he basically just said he's still he's still working on the winds of winter. Uh, he talked about a whole bunch of different projects, said that his development deal with HBO is currently suspended uh, mm-hmm. as of June 1st. I, I'm curious, like, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean that they were just, you know, like, we're on strike right now. There's nothing you can do. Or mm-hmm. like, is Martin's contract done for now with HBO? Are they going to need to renegotiate? Mm-hmm. Did you have any thoughts on that? Because I that was something that stood out to me that I wanted to know more about. I mean, I haven't seen the contracts or anything, but I imagine suspended means suspended. But yeah, they're on strike. He's on strike. He's a writer. He's in the WGA yeah. is on strike. So he's just not working on anything right now. And he's probably not getting the income stream from HBO, which boohoo, I'm sure he'll get by somehow. I imagine that's what it means. Obviously, yeah. HBO wouldn't want to lose a big person like him. I imagine that when the writer's strike is over, if it's yeah. ever over, because I mean, again, it's possible that we just doesn't end and we just start having robots write things for forever in the future, that it'll come back. I'm sure that's it. As for the winds of winter, Julie yeah. says that should we do we believe anything he says these days? I do. You know, I'm down with George R. R. Martin. I think he's pretty charming. I believe him. I think he's sincere. And again, I say this every time. I'm just repeating myself, but it's true. The fact that he's willing to talk about the winds of winter and be <laughs> even kind of like funny about it. You know, he says that he's writing, rewriting, editing, writing some more, making study progress. Not as fast as I would like. Certainly not as fast as you would like, but progress nonetheless. <laughs> that was a good one. I thank you. I'm working on it in the mirror every day. I counted <laughs> it with Patrick Rothfuss and the, and the winds of and the doors of stone who just never mentions anything. I'd be afraid if Martin never mentioned it. But the fact that he's talking about it and even being a little funny and cheeky about it. Yeah, I think it's a good sign. There was another one where he was like on an interview, like like a video interview with a with a guy that I actually watch, a, a, a YouTuber named Dominic Noble, who does like these YouTube videos comparing books or adaptations. And um, he, he, he made like a little comment about like Winds of Winter and George R. Martin was like, yeah, I'm working on it. Not when I'm doing podcasts, <laughs> which was cute and funny and nice. So I'm sure he's working on it. I'm sure it's coming along. Nice to hear it. Somehow I'm not frustrated with him. I just I find him too charming. Yeah, I mean, I 
I am not frustrated with him either. To to be honest, I it's hard to you know looking at this. I know he's gotten a lot of flack for saying stuff, and when he talks about it recently, people are mm. mad. But like, there was a solid couple of year period there where he wasn't saying anything for exactly the sort of reason you said like with that that comparison to Patrick Rothfuss I feel mm-hmm. like when when there is reluctance to say anything mm-hmm. that makes me a little more worried than when he's you know to see him go through a period of talking about it a lot when he started not really talking about it at all when it was getting delayed and delayed and delayed and now to the point where he can be like yeah I'm working on it still working on it it's coming along uh I'm, you know, what did he say on that thing, that video that you mentioned? It's only been 12 years since the last oh, yeah. one. So he's cracking wise and I'm not too mad about it. He's good. <laughs> Although Julio's have a good point. I, I think he probably believes it, but I'm skeptical he'll, he'll deliver. Yes, that, that I can see. I think we'll get wins. The next one, I don't know. You know, if you want to read the wins of winner right now and you don't want to wait, there is a fan who took it upon themselves to write the entirety of the winds of winter and a dream of spring using AI, artificial intelligence. This is real, but actually you can Google it. It's 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 pretty interesting. It's well, it's interesting. I actually did read some of this, like the AI generated winds of winter and dream of spring. A, they're way longer than the longest book in a song of ice and fire series. Like they're they're like, I think it was like 683,000 characters for um, words for, for the winds of huh. winter. You can't even publish a book that size. You, ha- you have to break it up. Yeah, you would. It wouldn't fit. And uh, did you read any, Daniel? Just curious. Did you read any of the AI winds of winter? I have not. So I, I'm sure I've talked about it on here. I am pretty firmly against using AI to do mm-hmm. cre- any kind of creative writing like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, morally, I objected and I I had zero desire to look at it. But I will say I I was kind of pleasantly surprised with the takeaway of this project because this person, you know, credit where it's due, they, it sounds like they did put quite a lot of work into this. It wasn't like they just put some prompts in and then said, ah, oh, now I've got no. the winds of winter. Like they spent quite a lot of time kind of revising and editing prompts and what they were sending through a, through chat GPT or whatever they used. And basically the takeaway they came back around to was doing this with AI reassured them that AI is not going to be replacing uh, unique literary work by George R. R. Martin anytime soon. I think he said something about how uh, it like couldn't predict the kind of really shocking twists Martin is known for. So that was like the big thing that was missing from these AI versions. They didn't kill it. Yeah, there was no Ned Stark or uh, Red Wedding because that's just it's beyond the can of AI to imagine such duplicitous acts. Only human beings are that evil to even think of such a thing. But yeah, so I have not read it. I imagine I will not be reading it. Those of you out there, are you going to read the AI uh, Song of Ice and Fire? Eh. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I did read some. I was curious. Honestly, my big problem wasn't that it wasn't twisty enough. I didn't like read it front to cover or anything. It was that I I, I was like reading individual chapters and it (laughs) it was just once AI produces because I don't mind AI. I've used it for for some stuff to see what it can do, and 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 this thing's more of like an experiment, like like kind of like a like a can it do this? Yes, it was. And what was getting to me was that when when AI is used to produce like long things, like a book level mm-hmm. thing, you really start to see how quickly it gets very repetitive. Like there's, yeah. I, I, I was reading these scenes of like Daenerys talking to some of her counsel, and like every paragraph like was. Missande, her eyes gleaming with the light of a thousand afternoon daydreams, like suggested this. And then Daenerys <laughs> said, that is good. And then Tyrion, his smile, smiling with the gleam of a, and then like, they were always like character, comma, gotcha. weird description, comma, said something. And then Daenerys said, yes. And then they just kept going on and 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 on. Like it yeah. was, you wouldn't be able to get through much of this. Also, it's also weird because I've tried using AI to just like experiment like, and write the ones of Britain myself. It doesn't seem to know what happened in A Dance with Dragons because like Jon Snow is at Winterfell and Stannis is nowhere. And the, the first chapter is Tyrion, Brienne and Davos on a boat in the narrow sea and again and, and and then it just goes into that thing where they all kind of say weirdly same things forever and it, it, and, and and no one says anything of substance it's, it was odd it was a cool it was an interesting experiment i don't mind that it happened but that's what i took away from it i wasn't really like oh it didn't kill anybody it apparently didn't it seems to like no names and like places from the book but there's no attempt to like kind of put them in the context we expect or to like do things with them that yeah. an author would do. It is strange. It was yeah. a strange reading experience. I, that's, I, it, it, that's it didn't resemble limitation. Martin at all. Yeah. Like, not even a little. I, I I'm was, sure. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm sure it didn't, didn't resemble him either. Like from a plotting perspective, because like you said, like it's easy to take for granted how much of those books is Martin finding little tiny things and making Mm -hmm. them interesting. Like all of those courtroom conversations or advisors like are filled with like tiny little minutiae that he, you know, him as a medieval historian or whatever would think to include that is just not something AI would include. Yeah. (laughs) So I I am I mind this less than some of the AI things because really the issue I have is not AI it's the way companies are using it. Oh yeah. And and this was an individual who was like I wonder if it could do this thing. Um yeah, I kinda wonder kind too. of wondered too. Now it. I know. <laughs> yeah, and now we know. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll just keep waiting for the Winds of Winter because that is what Winds of Winter fans do, which it will happen. Uh, is there an audiobook version of this? There is there is not, but I mean there's AI, so you can just feed the text through a um speech machine, I'm sure. You can get Helen Mirren to read the entire thing to you. 
So um, oh, that's yeah. what I would do. I I would I might. Uh, yeah. Um, here I will put the uh. Some point I'll find the article that I wrote, which links to everything, and then I'll put it in the chat. Yeah. But uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention that Martin talked about was he gave us yes. a title for the Game of Thrones stage play. Do you realize that? Yeah. The, uh, yes. The, the, yeah. They've been working on this um, stage play about the attorney at Heron Hall for a while. We hadn't heard a thing about it for a minute. And um, I wondered if it was gone, but no, it's going to be set at the, it's set at the attorney at Heron Hall. So it's like uh, when young Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark really got things a moving and Robert Tobelian kicked off. Yep. I like the idea. It's apparently George R. R. Martin called it the Iron Throne. He does have a tendency to just kind of say things and title things like snow or whatever that are working titles, but whatever, the Iron Throne. Yeah. That, that can work. It's fun to know that it's still going on. Yeah, I'm glad it's still going on. I I feel I've always felt that if they were going to do some kind of stage play, doing a tourney and especially that tourney is kind of a fun choice. I can see it working well as a play the iron throne i do wonder if that's like the final mm. title that is Hopefully kind of a, a weird interesting title you know just thinking about that tourney because th- the throne is not particularly relevant to that tourney i guess beyond maybe that that is one of the seeds of robert's rebellion but we're not going to see robert's rebellion in the play presumably it's also the title of the series finale which I did, which I a little weird. it was and for that, I didn't mind because obviously the, you know, the very iconic Drogon scene, like that felt fitting. It's the end of Game of Thrones, whatever, sure. the Iron Throne. Uh, but yeah, I it was nice to see him talk about this because it, you're right. It has been in development for, you know, years and years and years. Um, so it's nice to know that it's not dead and that it's still going. And yeah, maybe it will come to Broadway one day before the winds of winter after the- after i'm gonna say after apparently at the west end after. first so all of our english listeners okay. you can't strike but you can see the tourney at heron hall play <laughs> uh, before we do yeah i feel like the west end they tend to get the like the story driven tv show book tie-in plays before the u.s i feel like like harry potter was like that too and the cursed right. child that hit the west end before it came to the u.s i wonder if I wonder why that is. Well, I mean, Rowling's British. I mean, th- I guess that made sense to me. I- I'm a yeah. I mean, I wouldn't see it either way. They they, they-, they charge like five hundred dollars to see these plays. Like it's that's ridiculous. Yeah, but yay. Yep, I am inclined to agree. Yeah. So beyond all of that, the the kind of one of the last notable things in Martin's posts that he talked about is that House of the Dragon is roughly halfway done with filming. So. Yay. Uh, It's such a bittersweet thing right now, knowing, you know, all these strikes are going on. The actors can't strike over there. They don't have writers on set. I I don't believe Ryan Condal's on set. So it it is. I am so nervous to see how these shows that film through the strike are going to turn out. But House of the Dragons chugging along. And there are a lot of reports uh, of new cast members joining the show for season two. Um, there were a slew of people that were just announced, not officially, from from scoop sites. And we're not going to go through them all because most of them, we don't know who they're playing. Uh, so th- they seem like smaller roles. Presumably, there, there are a lot of actors who are not very familiar. But there was one that was interesting I wanted to call out, which is a, a, an actor named Graham McKnight, who will apparently play a character named Paxter Strong. 
Uh, so potentially another member of the Strong Clan, like Laris Strong, but this one's not in Fire and Blood. Uh, why would? Why do you think they'd be adding another Strong in there, Dan? Any theories? Strong featured man, this person, very angular. Yes, I don't know. I, I imagine that Damon will go to Heron Hall. He'll meet some of the Strong family. Yeah, maybe they needed someone to voice an opinion and needed to give a speaking line to somebody. It's a very boring answer. <laughs> It's probably it's a fair one. I'm though. not too worried about it. <laughs> I, I I assume yeah. that there's a big family. I think they're all gone by the end of the Dance of Dragons. So Bon Voyage, Paxter Strong, sooner or later. Yep. But yeah, though that's the main updates from House of the Dragon, uh, the Winds of Winter. I think we heard just today as well that the handmaiden who was who Egon abused in the mm-hmm. first season will be returning apparently for season two. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I wonder how that's going to play out. But beyond all that, there's really one thing that everybody's been talking about this past week. Oh, yeah, and what? we're going to not break the trend. We're going to talk about it, too. Uh, and that's Barbenheimer. So Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig, and Oppenheimer, directed by Christopher Nolan, both hit theaters over the weekend. And they set a... I don't know that they set a record, but it was a historic nice. opening. Uh, they both wildly outperformed projections. Uh, and apparently it was the fourth highest domestic box office weekend of all time uh, behind only Infinity War and Endgame. So the last two Avengers movies and sure, Star sure. Wars, The Force Awakens, which means mm-hmm. if you take out big franchise sequels, this is the highest <laughs> domestic box office we've ever seen. Um, Barbie took home around 155 million. Ooh. Oppenheimer took home around 80 million in its opening weekend. Didn't bomb. <laughs> it did not bomb. The bomb did not bomb. I read that it more or less like doubled projections. So yeah, Dan, you you've seen both of these. You you Barbenheimered. I did not Barbenheimer. Okay, like I didn't do the double feature. So Andrew saw Barbie Saturday, Oppenheimer Sunday. I was the reverse. I saw Oppenheimer nice. Saturday, Barbie on Sunday. First of all, I'm just I'm very encouraged that like two a very different, b qu- very good because I, I I thought they were both very good. Uh, you know, c non franchise. I mean, Barbie's a franchise. It like waiting to happen, but whatever. It, at least it, it, it's, it's not, not a current. Fr- it's, yeah, it's it's not a sequel. Non sequels. Yeah. Very low special effects movies because Barbie, one thing that's really impressive, barely any CGI. Like they built everything. It looks so good. That Barbie land set, crazy. Yeah. I watched an interview with Greta Gerwig where she talked about all of the practical sets and effects they used to make everything look like it did. Like Barbie land, like they looked at like the the dimensions her size compared to the size of barbie buildings and then they recreated that in the movie to give it that kind of weird soundstage effect sorry you were saying continue so it's nice to see some original movies yeah all those things making big splashes it's a non-sequel we'll say that yeah they're both splendid um i prefer i mean okay so here's the line i like they're both so different that right. comparing them almost seems silly, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's fun. I liked cool. Barbie better. I thought Barbie did a better job at what it was trying to do, which was kind of be this, you know, heartfelt, comedic satire that's wrapped yeah. up like merchandising. You know, you know, you know what? what's so good about it? It's that it's 
baldly a commercial for Barbie. Like it literally kind of like advertises Barbie accessories during it. And the end credits are like the various uh-huh. dolls that inspire the characters. But it gets away with it because it does have something to say. Obviously, a ton of love went into it. It's a real script yeah. with like a real conflict and r- genuinely entertaining. The songs were great yeah. and not overdone. The performances were a lot of fun. The costumes were great. The sets were great. I just like watching it. The jokes were funny. Everyone's hitting. Will Ferrell's funny. Ryan Gosling's funny. Margot Robbie is funny. And it was on the shorter side. So it was just get in, get out. I I, I thought it was great. Oppenheimer is this big three-hour, chonky, serious biopic of this major historical world figure. Again, so, 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 so different. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it quite as much. I was bored for part of it. I guess mm-hmm. I loved the scene where they detonated the bomb, the Trinity test. And then I don't it, like I get arguments about this with my friends, by the way, w- with my partner who, okay. who, who, who who felt differently. I was like, and then after that, like talking about whether he loses his security clearance because he's a communist just seemed like small potatoes. Like it's about Oppenheimer, but the bomb is the most interesting, interesting thing about Oppenheimer. I didn't really care about his personal life that much. I wanted to know what it meant that he'd made this incredibly destructive force and what it meant for the world. And that's not the movie they made. Yeah. It's a biopic. It's about him. So we have to learn about his wife and his mistress and his trumped up communist charges and his little trial. But I'm like, I don't really care. Just like, I want to see what happened in Hiroshima yeah. and Nagasaki. I don't know. I couldn't get out of my head. I couldn't get past it. Um, But beautifully yeah. made. Serious, serious filmmaking. Serious filmmaking. Yeah. What do you think of Oppenheimer? You non-Barbie scene, uh, Philistine? Well, so I have not seen either of them yet. Oh, no, I thought you saw the one. I haven't. No, I was away most of the weekend. Uh, so I missed out on on the Barbenheimer. I will be catching up on it at some point soon. But I that what you just said about it not showing, you know, the what this bomb meant on the grand scale. That's a complaint I've seen a lot of people make like, you know, this movie uh. is about these devastating bombs but it didn't show any scenes in Japan or of them dropping or anything like that. And it is tricky because like you said, it's a biopic. So that is like one of the great strengths and weaknesses of a biopic Mm -hmm. is that you are bound to a certain perspective. And in this case, you know, Oppenheimer wasn't there for those things. He created this bomb and then it had its own effect on his psychology to know it was being taken and used in such a way. So I'm fascinated to see what that's like. I have heard more than a few people talk about the third hour dragging a little bit. So not too surprised to hear that there were some parts that kind of you felt were a little slower. I was still entertained. Like I, I enjoyed the third hour. Just, I just, I wanted a different movie. And I had an argument with my partner who was like, well, that's not the movie they made. Like they made a biopic. And I'm like, well, make yeah. a different one then. That's, I guess I just wanted something yeah. different. It's good at what it is. And I loved the Trinity test scene where they explode the bomb. I thought it was, I thought it was terrific. Really, really gripping. Cool. And, you know, you mentioned Barbie, how it's nice to see this movie that did not overly rely on CGI. And that is true, shockingly, of Oppenheimer, too. Um, Apparently, there are no, like, big special effects shots in that, like, digital effects in that movie. Like, the bomb was practical, which is kind of insane. (laughs) Not insane when you see it. It's not insane when you see it. I think, if you, I mean, like, it's not, you know, it's it's done with filmmaking. It's done with like, they're all looking at yeah. it. And you know what? They found awe on the faces of the human beings who had witnessed what they 
had wrought. I'll quote a line from Susan Sarandon from years ago that I still make fun of with my brother to this day, where she's at some award show and she's talking about some movie she's in. And she says, and the only special effect it had is the effect it had on its audience. And then she pauses so folk can appreciate how clever (laughs) that was. We always put that out whenever we want to sound smug. I like it. Christopher Nolan would probably approve. But yeah. So let me ask you. So you saw Oppenheimer on day one. You saw Barbie on day two. You know, as someone who hasn't done it yet, is that the correct order to watch it in? Or should I be watching Barbie first and then Oppenheimer? What kind of mood are you in? Okay. So it sounds like you don't think it matters. I don't think it matters. If you do it in one day, I do Oppenheimer first because you're going to need some more endurance. But if you've been different days, (laughs) do whatever you want. Cool. But yeah, so so Barbenheimer bringing it bringing it home in the cinema. I I'm a little nervous. There's such an irony to this, right? That these these two movies which are kind of like they're both making waves for similar sorts of reasons. They're both, you know, with visionary people behind people who clearly had a vision making these sure. movies. Yeah. And they're sure. like filmmakers movies, you know, yes, they're not they like you said, franchise tentpole flicks that are just they're not like the Disney Marvel checklist. They are filmmaking movies when you look at how both and and, you know, the love of craft, the craft of filmmaking that went into them. It's interesting that we're getting these during the writers and actors strike. It is. And I just I wonder what the lessons Hollywood is going to take away from this are because, you know, the rumbles are that the fall slate for a lot of the studios is about to get pushed back. Mm-hmm. So we're going to touch on this in the in the lightning round, but things like Dune potentially uh, isn't going to be in theaters till next year is what the word on the street is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's tough to see studios have these huge hits from these really uh, impressive filmmakers with great casts. And no, they're probably about to, you know, push back a bunch of other great movies. And I'm just, I'm afraid, Dan, I have to tell you, I'm afraid we're going to get like the Bratz movie and the Polly Pocket movie and the Mighty Max movie. Like, I'm nervous about what lessons are going to be taken away from uh, a Barbie movie succeeding like this. When it seems like it was really because Greta Gerwig had such a vision for what a Barbie movie should mean. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, completely. I mean... I don't think we need to waste time being worried. That is what will happen. Yeah. I mean, if the strikes end and, and they can hire people to do it, eh, it's, it, it's it's so inevitable. I'm just like, why bother worrying? Yeah, we will be inundated by toys. Okay. And this is at a time when the superhero train seems to finally be slowing down. Like the Flash kind of bombed Secret Invasion. No one's talking about it. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna the second. It, it seems like that's gonna come <laughs> to an end. So Hollywood needs. I yeah. mean, but again, Hollywood needs a new thing to do. But also, they can't do anything right now because no one will work for them. So they gotta yeah. take care of that, and then they can hop on a big new trend. They got video games to come. Yes. We got the video game trend. We got the toy trend. And um, yeah. I am looking forward to superheroes kind of maybe just not going away, but just just chilling out a bit. 
yeah i i agree with that and i i didn't realize how ready i was for that until kind of this year you know mm-hmm. i was starting to feel it but this year has really driven it home for me like i as a viewer am so ready to take a break from superhero stuff and i guess mm-hmm. we should we should we can take that and bridge it over into uh the most recent superhero thing that ended is solidified this for me because i have never cared so little about the mcu as i have during uh, Secret Invasion, which its finale aired today. Dan, have you seen the finale? I did. I wrote a review of it this morning. It's up on Wick right now. Winterscoming.net slash Secret Invasion slash Dan wrote about it slash Samuel L. Jackson slash Olivia Coleman uh, dot edu. You know, it was fine. I watched it. I'm glad it's over. It didn't really move yeah. the needle that much. No. I thought it was fine. I just, I don't think there's anything really remarkable about this. I think it's got like plot holes that are just too big to really watch yeah. it and think of it as a serious thing this entire show they're trying to sell as like um oh my god aliens are secretly invading yeah. uh the planet earth by <laughs> shape-shifting and attaining positions of power and we have to stop them from destroying the world but like yeah. most of it came down to two people samuel l jackson and ben mendelson like breaking into a guy's house driving in a car talking in a restaurant and like that's that's what there was no sense of scale yeah even though it was like a world i agree with event, that there was no sense of scale at all and in, in in this episode like the final battle is gravik who's ben king who, who's in body by the way as as as, as one of the yeah. kens mild spoilers here i mean I, I won't spoil it it's like he gets superpowers then he fights another superpowered person and all of his followers are gone. It's just, it just seems like it's just a small show. It's so small seeming. If you're going to try and sell it as this world conspiracy, it shouldn't feel small. It should feel big. So it feels wrong. And I just wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't that it was terrible. It was just, it just wasn't especially good. And you're going to need to be more than fine to get attention and get people talking. Yeah. I think this is the most I've felt like an MCU thing has just kind of phoned it in. I've never felt that way as much as I I felt like it with Secret Invasion, and that's not to say there aren't any any good things about oh, yeah, it. Yeah. Like there's some good stuff. I liked I liked you know the stuff with Nick Fury and his wife was some yeah, of yeah, my yeah. favorite like stuff in the show. I think, but just and Amelia, you know, Amelia Clark is always a pleasure mm-hmm. to watch. She brought intensity. Olivia Coleman, I thought was probably the acting She's MVP fantastic. for me. She was very fun. She like rattled off the little zingers. I expected there to be more of a you know, you never know who's a scrawl. I expected that to have a lot more layers. It seems like there really yeah. weren't many huge, crazy reveals with that. They were all kind of like somewhat predictable or or not that shocking. There wasn't a whole lot of long game aside from Rhodey, but but Rhodey is the one other really no well one. known the one so it's not that surprising because there's no red herrings it's just well okay the one person who is in the avengers is a scroll well okay fine it's sold as a spy show and then there are no spy antics and it ends with two super hard people beating each other up like every other thing does it just didn't distinguish itself also some of it was just kind of bad like the roadie thing i wrote down the line when he was trying to convince the president to nuke Russia and the other admirals like, no, we should should be cautious. And she said, and he says, did you have a stupid pill with breakfast? Yes. I'm like, 
Yes. Was that supposed to be funny? Was that supposed to sound cool? It it sounded awful. Like this, this is high camp stuff. That, that was good. I scoffed I, so I, loud. I enjoyed that part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I laughed at the line, but I was laughing at the show rather than really with the line. I definitely, yes. yeah, there were things like that. You know, the Americans against Russia, which I know I harped on last time, like <laughs> who decided that was going to be the name of the terrorist group that's... Obviously, they're the aliens, the people who thought of that name. Yeah, I I really, I didn't care at all about Secret Invasion. And that <gasps> no was one way. of the MCU shows I've been more hyped for sure. for the past yeah. few years. So I'm surprised to get to this point and just be like, I thought this could be, you know, when we saw trailers, I remember us talking about this on the show being like, that looks like it could be a special thing in the MCU. Yeah, I remember and that. it feels yeah. like it was just the exact opposite of that so much more than i expected and now i just kind of like i i don't really feel like watching the mcu anymore not to say that i won't i'm sure i will but like i don't really want to at this point it does kind of lay bare how precarious like franchises in the series are if you have like a bad entry or a few bad entries it's hard to get people to trust you again like the mcu was riding high for so long and i don't know if they can pull out of this I mean, Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, said they need to reorient and to stop making like to stop flooding us with content, which is obviously true. Um, it's a matter of and I guess now he doesn't really have a choice, does he? Because <laughs> they can't make anything yeah. new for a minute. But that's the right call. I hope he does that. I hope they can get it back on track. And I think a good tactic is to just pick your battles, do less and make sure the few things you do make are really good and stand on their own. One more thing I have to mention, another yeah. cringy bit. I agree yes. with Nicole. Some of it was cringy. Just how Nick Fury and Olivia Coleman, like just the two of them take down like what, like 24 secret service agents, highly trained secret service yeah. agents who defended the president. It's like, bam, 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 bam. Do nothing. Useless secret service agents. Useless. Yeah. There just wasn't a lot of tension in this show. It felt no, like a not. lot of, and then this character is going to do this and they're going to do that. There was, there was never any point where I was really worried for anyone. Yeah, it, it was just kind of meh. But they did kill folk. Like, they killed um, Ken Mendelsohn. Which Mariah is nice. Hill. Is her name Mariah Hill or is it Maria? It's it's probably Maria. I'm probably saying Maria. it wrong. Anyway, they, they killed those, those two. So that's did, fair. Yeah. Uh, it's not that it's, you know, it had some casualties, but it, yeah, I don't know. I, it just really didn't do it for me and i'm surprised you know andrew says worst mcu disney plus show she hulk or secret invasion for me it's secret invasion and that's not even close i think she hulk had some issues but like she hulk also you know we talked about show movies with vision about barbin barbenheimer she hulk was a show that had an idea it had a vision for what it wanted to do and i do think it did it Secret Invasion. I don't know what the vision was for Secret Invasion. Uh, it just feels like they were like, we're going to give Nick Fury a show. We've got Samuel L. Jackson and we're going to hope people care enough just based on that alone. That's too bad. But Bobby was great. Oppenheimer was great. Yeah. I'll, I'll be watching anything that we are, that we're enjoying, Daniel. Yes. So I can only mention this briefly. So I have been watching The Witcher the final three episodes for The Witcher season three come out tomorrow on Netflix. I have seen them. Really? I'm not allowed to really talk about them yet. Uh, one, uh, So uh-huh. I will say two things about this. One is I was really struck because I watched Secret Invasion today. I was watching some of The Witcher last night by how watching the final fight scene of Secret Invasion. I never once was like on the edge of my seat. 
And it was weird to me to think about The Witcher because a few of those fights had me just absolutely on the edge of my seat shouting at my TV. So watching that, really enjoyed it. The only other thing I will say is I cried during each of the final three episodes. So I think they really nailed it. Really? Yes. I cried multiple times during each of the three episodes and was like, what the hell is happening? Why am I going through something? Why am, why are there all these tears? But I just think they did a great job with it. Oh yeah. They're good tears, Julie. I think here's okay. Yes. Don't tell anybody, anybody, but um, I missed it up during Barbie. And if I weren't in a theater surrounded by people, I would have just started to cry, but um, I held it back. Okay. Because I, I want to maintain my reputation as a Sylvester Stallone, like um, cypher man. <laughs> Cool. Uh, what have you been watching, Dan? I am excited for the... I, I can't believe I'm saying this because it might be I have to eat some right? more currency. Crazy. But um, I'm, I'm excited for The Witcher. At least I want to see the next episode because I know that's the that's the coup at Thinead and I'm looking forward to that. And you liked it. Our yeah. colleague Bryce liked it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that at least. Andrew keeps recommending the My Venture Superman, which I will... It's it's up my alley. I will watch that. Because right now I watch too much other stuff. I watched uh, Good Omens. That airs Friday. Ooh. So I got the screeners for that. How was it? And I'm, oh, it's it's very British and charming. You know how that's... What a... Cool. What a curious island. Yeah. It's... 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 It, it's it's very cute. It's like the first season. It's I don't know what it what it is with like British comedies. They just have that kind of way of being politely tense. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't have a ton of experience with them, but that's the style. And it's very kind of arch. It's very winky. It's very dry as a bone, which I like. The performances are good. The budget's yeah. good. I'm I'm curious to see more. Cool. I, I watched the premiere and I like it. I like the first season. I like this season. It seems a little smaller in scale, but um. The performances really carry the charm. I'm also watching Warrior. I got screeners for that. I keep recommending that show. That show rocks. It's great. I watched The Orville and I'm almost done with it. I think you should watch Warrior and tell me what you think at some point. It's really good. The action's great. The characters are great. Um, The drama is great. They know how to build a season, like not in a choppy, just obvious way. It's clear they're building something big and I love that. Um, it, it can be yeah. melodramatic, but you know what? When the karate men are chopping each other like that, I I can I'm willing to go with the melodrama if it means I get to have this heightened emotional state where I scream at the screen where the guy chips up some new fingers. Um, Warrior, watch it. It's really cool. really good. You're selling it. I definitely want to. So that's a fair trade. You've watched the Orville. I will watch Warrior. I'm not quite finished, but I am almost done with the Orville. I'm still in New Horizons. Um, so that watch the Righteous Gemstones. That's good. And I, I, I bet I will watch Superman show because it does seem like something I would watch. But um, not yet, not yet, not yet. The only other thing I've been really watching in the past week, I started Foundation. (laughs) <laughs> oh nice yeah i've just been curious i've you know it's uh, based on an isaac asimov book i i've been getting the ads i see some people liking it and more people hating it some people so i you know curiosity drew me to foundation jury's kind of out i've watched the first couple of episodes and i enjoyed parts of them for sure and also feel there are also other parts that just feel a little weird and i imagine it's nothing like the Isaac Asimov mm-hmm. books, but I haven't read them, so I can't speak to that. Um, Lee Pace is a pretty good villain. Yeah, I get the well, feeling like that they know he is a gorgeous man, so they definitely try to utilize that whenever they can. TV I've heard baby. there is a nude. Yeah, he has a nude fight scene in the second season. I have heard. So they're and even in the episodes I've watched, they've gotten him out of his shirt as much as they can. So it seems like that is they're they're very aware of it. But uh, in general. I, 
yeah, I've liked it. It's cool to see a show where they're, you know, the crux of the issue is something you don't see portrayed a lot, which is basically the math. The math predicted the end of Ugh. this galactic empire and that, you know, what do we do to mathematicians and scientists who predict catastrophes and that the way we live is wrong? Historically, it hasn't worked out very well for them. We give them wedgies and shove them into lockers. That is the absolute nicest thing that can happen. I was thinking of, I, I don't really remember you know, people like Galileo or, or I'm sure there are examples, especially in Greek society, too, of great thinkers who whose great thinking got them into trouble. Wasn't Galileo like excommunicated or executed by the church or something? I forget. Yeah, I think there are, you know, you can find lots of examples of those kinds of things in history. And that is what foundation is. It's that kind of sh- of story, but in space. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I can't say that I, it is necessarily going to be good. The jury is very much out. The, the one thing I will note is the visuals are pretty gorgeous yeah. and the music is done by Bear McCreary, which I didn't know before I started it. So it has his trademark, you know, grandeur that he brings to things like Rings of Power. How many shows is he working on? So many. He's just everywhere now. Like Give work to somebody else, I guess. Yeah. But it's also like it feels like A he and Raman Jawadi are like the composers that Hollywood has working for them. It's got to be someone else yes. who's interested. I want more stuff. I I will say The Witcher season three, their composer. So they got a different composer for season two and three than season one. And I like the music in season one. But in season three, it's really, really good, especially in these last Mm. three episodes. I want the the composer who did Prey, Sarah Shackner. (laughs) I want I want her to do more. She did uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, too. And I want to see her doing more because the Prey soundtrack is amazing. That's my plug. As Richard says, you got to hire Lin-Manuel Miranda or nobody else. Whatever. I talk about That's Bruno right. whatever I want. All right, Daniel, should we move on to um, the final segment of the show? Yeah, let's do it. So I clearly put these in order. It's all very intentional. Uh, oh, let's nice. not squint too hard at it. No, that, that was all a lie. But I am going to ask you things. Are you ready to be asked them? Yeah. Okay. So the... And for those of you watching, if you've never seen uh, an episode of our podcast, we are going to go through news stories we didn't have time to hit during the main show. We have 20 seconds on the clock or we get buzzed into infamy by producer Richard. (laughs) So starting with this first one, Invincible Prime Video's subversive animated superhero show is coming back this year, but we're only getting four episodes What's the deal with that? Uh, the deal is the strikes. Um, so Invincible, I really, mm. I really, really like the first season of Amazon. I bet Andrew might like it if he likes the Superman show. Um, second season is coming back. Looking forward to it. But they're going to split the eight episodes into chunks of four because they know they don't have anything coming later, like in 2024, because the strikes are on. They're not making anything. So they're going to split up the season. They're going to split it up and make it last. Let's stretch it out. Prepare uh, for more of that yeah. as things continue. That more of that kind of thing. Speaking of superhero shows that air on Amazon Prime Video, Daniel, uh, the boys spinoff, Gen V, got a trailer and a release date. The first three episodes premiere on Prime Video on September 29th. Yeah, Um, I'm glad to see Gen V get a release date. You know, they've been Mm -hmm. teasing this show since like February of this year. So we were due to get a release date. I'm excited kind of uh for gen v like i'm gonna watch it the boys is always a good time 
it's one of those shows I'm never super hyped about, and then it gets here and I love it. Yeah, so I, yeah, I college that. age boy spinoff, eight episodes, starts on September 29th. This is cool. So The Walking Dead is going through its spinoff renaissance right now. And the one that is on at the moment is The Walking Dead Dead City, which is the show about Negan and Maggie. That's apparently been renewed for season two. Oh, good for it. I mean, I, I now it looks like that was always going to be the case. Um, I haven't watched it, but I understand that it ended on a pretty big, not cliffhanger, but like clearly the story is not resolved. I think they knew what they were doing. It's been a hit. Like folk have watched it. So, um, yeah, Viacon deals with this new age of zombies doing good today. All right. Speaking of delays and strikes and all these such things, Daniel Dune part two, as well as Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom starring Jason Momoa as fish God may be delayed into 2024 due to the ongoing writers and actors strikes. Yeah, that's that is what is being reported is that studios are eyeing uh, pushing those movies back. Um, I, I think it makes sense. You know, Dune is a star studded affair. A, whole, a huge part of that is that they have this incredible cast. So it would be it would make no sense to release it when the cast can't be promoting a, a movie like Dune. I feel a little bad for Aquaman. It's been pushed back a lot. What's one more? Either folk will pay a ticket to see this memorial shirtless or they won't. Yep. Uh, no matter how you slice it, Aquaman is swimming upstream. So speaking of Aquaman, it has also supposedly had all of its Batman scenes cut out. Uh, why? I guess, I, guess I, I, I suppose this is interesting. So that movie is so bizarre because it was made back when they still wanted to have a DC universe before they were going to scrap the whole thing. So they were going to like tie yep. it into the other DC movies by putting... Michael Keaton and uh, Ben Affleck in it as Batman or Batman or whatever. And now that they're scrapping all that, they're just going to take it out. So what a a long, strange journey it's had. Yeah, for real. All right. All right. um, Speaking of The Witcher a little bit ago, season three is almost over. Season four will no longer feature Henry Cavill in lead role of Geralt of Rivia, but it will feature Liam Hemsworth. Apparently, he's already worn the Geralt costume. And the Witcher will introduce him in a meta way. Daniel, what could they mean? Yeah, so the Witcher, uh, they're in the books. They do a lot of stuff with like narrative. Like there are Mm -hmm. parts where it's like people telling the story of Geralt. uh, And then it kind of cuts to what Geralt is doing. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think they might mean by this is that they're going to play with like a framing story. So I don't know if it'll be like Geralt traveled and it changed him or something. Or it's a different narrator, something weird like that. But it'd be true to the books if they did that spirit wise. So we're going to end with some more strike news. Get used to it because, uh, yeah, I imagine that's going to keep being the case for a while. Um, But apparently, so uh, a Wicked movie was being produced. I believe they're making two of them. But the first one was filming. Apparently, it got shut down mere days from completion. Oof. Uh, yeah, that is that is too bad. I would watch a Wicked movie. I like the musical, although I don't like it's being split into two. But yeah, they were almost done with part one. Yeah. And then Ariana Grande just had to leave because no one would show up to act alongside her. And I imagine her too. And no <laughs> one could write her beautiful songs. So that's too bad. Um, yeah. I'll watch if it comes out. I might. I'm still not sure if I watch it or not. I don't like the two part thing. 
And finally, yeah, I'm not a fan you, either. You definitely didn't want to do the, the strike stuff. Daniel, back to The Witcher and all things. <laughs> I didn't Witchery. plan it this way for the record. The Witcher season four with Liam Hemsworth has been delayed. Filming on it has been delayed into next year. Yes. Yeah. So that's that is the good word. Uh, the Witcher season four was originally supposed to start filming on September 3rd. I believe it, this just came out recently. September 3rd was the filming date. And now it has also come out that it is almost certainly being pushed back until 2024, uh, which means we probably won't see season four until 2025. So it happens. Sorry. Yeah, it does. Who's going to watch it too? Um, Yeah. Wicked. Have you ever seen Wicked, Daniel? You ever see it on stage? I have not. I I mean, that. so I haven't seen it on stage. I have seen enough videos of it that it almost feels like I've seen it because I went to school for music. I know a bunch of theater kids. That's right. And I've also read the book. So I'm very very familiar with Wicked considering that I haven't seen it. And you went to music school back when it was big. Oh, you poor man. I bet no one would shut up about Defying Gravity back then. Okay, okay. They were all Defying Gravity. Yes, yeah, I take it all back. Okay, cool. But yeah, <laughs> that's our show. What a fun time we had. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. Um, go ahead and give us a like. It was a subscribe. Um, give us a comment. Thank you for commenting out there. I mean, we know we love you all. Always helps. And you know, or come back next week. Give us a watch uh, every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, 3 p.m. Uh, in Julie Davies' time on the East Coast. Not sure for how long, but I'm glad you didn't have to get up that early to watch this time, Julie. Um, 1 p.m. in the mountains and noon on the sunny west coast. You know what? Come on back because here at Wick, we get crunk and party all night long. Oh! Take care, y'all. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.